finally worked. Uh, it is Jason Bertitas. It is Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live, episode number five. Anthony DeMarco going to join us in just a couple moments. Got to thank Ant for tapping in the left-hander out of the bullpen. We need to tap him in last moment here today. And I'm uh, going to recap last night's uh, Flyers win over the Devils to start the season and look ahead to Vancouver tomorrow. And the NHL grind is underway, the 82 Fun first game for the Flyers. Let me tell you about Bet Parks because it's a great time to get in on the action. You got the weekly hockey boost. Uh, I was talking to Bet Parks, a couple of guys yesterday, and you got the weekly hockey boost. You got the greatest casino and sportsbook app, and it's now in the palm of your hand. Easy to use, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. And it's great to get your action in on hockey, get your action in on football, college, and pro. You've got the baseball playoffs, you've got hoops both college and pro, around the corner. Tons to gamble on. Same-game parlays, live in-game betting, player performances, first to score. I missed a first to score on Konechny last night. I had him to score as well. I didn't have him to score too, though. Uh, but you can get in on all that action. First game of the that I got some action on too, by the way, was that Ranger game the other night and nailed that 3-1 final and got plus 2,400 on that. So check it out. Check out the Bet Parks app. And uh, right now, all Bet Parks users can use the promo code Jason750. That'll get you a risk free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions apply. And that's for new and existing users. So, again, use that promo code Jason750 and download the new Bet Parks app today. You need to be over 21, present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Also, Conquerville Subaru. Oh, I've been with them for years and for good reason because they care. Now, why do they care? Well, they're the first. Subaru Nation Love Promise Dealer Award winner back in 2015. They do great work in the community. They do great work in the community. <clears throat> That's my Don Tolleson impression. Uh, but it's not just about being the Love Promise Dealer of the Award winner. Why were they the Love Promise Dealer of the Award? How about eight years supporting the Nemours Children's Hospital of Delaware? They've adopted 15 classrooms once again in Marcus Hook Elementary School, donating $500 to each for teachers to do what they wish for their classroom supplies. They continue with the donation of thousands of coaches to La Comunidad, Hispania, and Kennett Square. They've done it for 10 years, and they do it again this year. It's great. and It's a great time to visit their beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. There you can check out their complete inventory of certified pre-owned vehicles and a list of upcoming incoming Subaru vehicles. Plus, they're more than a dealership. Great service department with a free car wash with every visit. So check them out and visit ConquervilleSubaru.com or stop in the great dealership on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Concordville cares. Let's get to them right now. North of the border and from the fourth period.com, it is Anthony DeMarco. What's going on? I'm going Harry Callis here. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, well, I mean, like uh, you opened with, uh, kind of got called in from the bullpen. So I'm doing this from my car. So not the best quality as usual. But, I mean, you get to see. It's not even my car, actually. It's my girlfriend's car. But oh, nice. uh, Yeah. Well, like, it's weird. I just got a brand new car. But because it's more of an SUV, it makes more sense for her to take it because she does less mileage than me. So I'm using, I somehow got stuck with the five-year-old car and she's whipping around with a brand new one right off the lot. So go go figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, that is well played by her, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and it's a lease, right? I always lease and she's like, you know, like to keep the mileage down, I'm just like, yeah, you're right. And then next thing you know, I haven't driven the damn thing for two weeks. <laughs> you got to get some Conquerville Subaru when you come down here and, and spend that Canadian dollar down here in the U.S. 
That's it. Well, I, I certainly need some good car advice because I've been getting rinsed for the last yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, speaking of good performances and good work, uh, what'd you think of it? first? Look, get your just initial takeaway of the opener because you know it was grimy. It wasn't perfect, Ant, um, but it's probably what it's going to have to look like for them to win games. I think it's going to be a rem. That's kind of an indicative game of how they're going to have to win. I think that's going to be their identity this season where they're going to just grind out games, muck it out, meat and potatoes hockey. And I think that they're probably going to push most of the non-playoff teams like New Jersey, who I think was probably the most overhyped team going into this season. I think we could say that about them for the last five years, it seems like. But I think that it's a team that when you play non-playoff teams, it's going to be competitive games and, probably more times than we think they're going to win because of how much effort they give. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, I found it exciting. I'm not going to lie. Watching a team without Giroux and without Voracek and without even Katori to an extent, like it was kind of exciting in a lot of ways that like, you didn't know who the top line is technically. Like, obviously we know it's pretty much Hayes and Konechny and Lawton, but it was just so cool to see different guys getting used in different opportunities. We saw the likes of Cates and Frost and Lazinski and Allison out there when they were um, defending the lead with a couple minutes to go. You saw new looks on the power play. It was just nice to watch. It was exciting. Obviously, like there's a lot of things you can clean up. They lost the, the possession battle, the territorial battle. They got very good goaltending from Carter Hart aside from the first goal. But all in all, it was not only a, a good, hardworking effort to secure the W, but I just found that it was a breath of fresh air and more exciting to watch somehow. Yeah, I, I think you just summed it up perfectly. Uh, episode's over. We'll see you guys later. No, um, <laughs> bye. <laughs> no, no, but like, buddy, like seriously, because you know, like I love Giroux as a player. Everybody knows how I feel about Claude Giroux, both the man and the hockey player. Like I. I've been I've been on the stump for many years about Drew. Caught a lot of shit for it at times, but you know, not seeing Vorchek, not seeing Drew. I'd love to see Couturier out there, but obviously that's not in the cards right at the moment. Maybe sooner rather than later. And I'm going to be talking to Chuck Fletcher today uh, for Flyers Daily. But you know, the thing about it was is that it felt really fresh and it felt strategically much different. It felt like they've caught up to what the NHL is now. Now they lack skill. There is no doubt about that. They don't have the skill level of the top teams in the league, the Colorados, I mean, Florida's and, you know, in the Western conference, you can look at teams like Edmonton and Calgary and others, but the way I thought they played was, was very different than what we've seen over the last couple of years. Now I want to talk about a few guys in particular. Uh, Owen Tippett obviously got hurt. And they called up Jackson Cates today. I think that's indicative that Tip's not going to be available come tomorrow for Vancouver. But the guy I want to talk about first, because I said on yesterday's Flyers Daily, I said that this guy is going to lead the team in points and that he's going to need to be their Hart Trophy winner. He's going to need to be their MVP. And it's a younger-ish guy, 25-year-old, and it was Travis Konechny. And I thought, despite the, the two goals are great, power play goal, gets the first goal, using the defenseman as a screen, and just beats the goaltender. But I thought that even on the shifts where he didn't score the goals, I thought he spilled it every shift. I thought he was excellent in the game. 
Yeah, uh, I tweeted it out that it was the best I had seen him look in probably two years. And to be honest, in a, in the context of a single-game effort, I don't ever remember a game. And this is for sure recency bias. I'm sure if we went back, we could find one. But I don't remember a game where he was that noticeable. And look, it didn't come... every shift, right? Impactful every shift. And, like, it was so much effort that there were even times where, let's say, he would make a mistake... But it was a mistake that, like, I remember one one shift in particular where he tried to carry the puck up the middle of the ice and he got stripped and it went back the other way. Yeah, Yeah. in the third period. But, like, he was the first guy back. And I'm saying to myself, like, okay, he got stripped, but when was the last time we saw Travis Konechny try and carry the puck like that? Mm -hmm. He was shooting the puck. It was good to see him score from distance. It felt like we haven't seen him score that way in so long. Obviously, he's predominantly scored in and around the net which isn't a bad thing but he is a guy that you could make the case that going into this season has the most raw offensive upside Mm -hmm. and a guy that you've been waiting to take that next step since 2019-20 and ever since his disappointing effort in the bubble and look I think a lot of this has had to go had to do with Konechny kind of being confused himself of what kind of player he's supposed to be I'm sure the coaching has had a negative impact on him recently. But there's also one thing that I thought about myself, but was kind of confirmed to me when I spoke with Danny Briere last week. Uh, and I interviewed him as part of my preseason preview piece of the Flyers. And he mentioned guys like Konechny and Farabee and Provorov and Sanheim as even though they've been with this team for several years now, and I think Konechny and Provorov, it's what, year six now that they're with mm-hmm. this, this squad? Like, this is the first year, and specifically Konechny, because he's a forward, that he is playing on this team without Giroux, without Voracek, and he is the main offensive weapon. And if he's not going, the offense is not coming from a whole lot of other places. And I think Konechny, one game, of course, but he really stepped up last night and was the offensive catalyst that the Flyers need him to be. And if the Flyers want any kind of hope, for success this season, he has to be that guy each and every night. It's not to say that he's got to be perfect. He wasn't completely perfect last night, but the effort was there all game, and more shifts than not, he was very noticeable in a positive way. Yeah, and like you said, that shifted in the third period where he gets kind of stripped from behind and it goes the other way. It's a play made out of aggression, and that, that's exactly. what Torch has talked about. You know, you're going to make mistakes. You know, this is a game of figuring out how to win, and you know. That's why you have a goalie back there, because when you're making a mistake out of aggression or trying to create and, hey, sometimes it doesn't work out. You got that guy back there that needs to bail you out. And sure as shit, the goaltender did last night. And we're going to get to him. Um, I said to connect me after the second period. I sent you the audio as well. Uh, Double bucket repair in the period tells me you're doing your job because he had hands and face washes and going and banging. The, The thing about the game last night, Ant, I thought there was just wave after wave of um, no free lunch. Everything was done hard in the game. And that's just, that's, that's an identity piece of John Tortorella. But the, the other guy that I want to ask you about uh, from the forward position was Tanner Lazinski, because when Tippett went out, he was getting moved into a couple wing, uh, you know, combinations. And because we didn't see Hayden Hodgson more than four and a half minutes of, of ice time in the game. But I thought Tanner Lazinski was sneaky good in the hockey game. He ends up with the assist on a beautiful, just an 
unbelievable apple that he sets, puts it on a tee for Frost, and he bangs it home. But I thought Lazinski was sneaky good in the game. Well, he's a guy that I think is going to quickly be used as a Swiss Army knife, kind of like a Scott Lawton was, because now Lawton's kind of been elevated into a prominent role that he can't be like that flexible guy in the mid to bottom six anymore. And I think that what we're going to see with Tippett out is Lazinski probably move up on uh, Tippett's in Tippett's spot alongside Cates and Farabee, and you're probably going to see Jackson Cates center the fourth line. Yep. And I know there was a, maybe a bit of disappointment seeing that Lazinski was going to be playing with guys like Deloria and Hodgson, but I long thought that this that was only going to really be on paper that he was the four C, obviously a good PK guy, and he's out there in a very consequential part of the game at the uh, trying to defend the lead. And he's a guy that I remember you talked about going back two years that mm-hmm. you expecting this guy to really make an impact along with Wade Allison, but injuries have gotten in the way. And I really liked what I saw from him. Like, honestly, like, I thought that Farabee struggled a bit last night, but that's to be that's to be expected given him coming back from injury. I thought Noah Cates had some ups and downs as well, but Lazinski really stood out in a positive way. Allison stood out in a positive way. Frost had some murky moments, but got the goal, and I thought overall had a good game as well. And I think that those three, not counting Tippett because he got injured so early, but I think that guys like Lazinski and Allison and Frost, because of their age, as opposed to Cates and Farabee, have the most to prove here. And like you said, Lazinski really came out flying, and I'm anxious to see what he could do in a more prominent role with Owen Tippett out, at least in the immediate future. Yeah, I agree. Um and I just think I thought he was sneaky good in the game. And you just talked about Frost. He pounded that home. And I think it was important. I think there was some murky moments for Morgan. Uh, but the fact that he ended up on the score sheet, I think, just sets him, sets him on a course that, you know, you're not, you know, going game after game, waiting for that first one of the season yeah. with all this opportunity. And I think that's a big element. And you really kind of take off that pressure right away. Let's look at the blue line because we've talked about it. I've talked about it a ton. The biggest question mark I had coming in from a unit standpoint was top pair. And D'Angelo and Provorov in the game, they only played the one preseason game together. They look like shit in that game, in the preseason <laughs> game. They didn't look like shit last night. You can see both guys like to possess the puck, but I thought their, the, the, their puck support was really well done in that game considering they haven't played together a whole heck of a lot. Both of them drove offense. Both ended up with multi-point performances in the game. And, you know, Provorov's a guy that's gotten shit on quite a bit. And he was really, you know, kind of terse with the media last year. And he's a competitor. We know that. Um, but I thought he came out and made a pretty big statement in the game. I mean, he took a lot of shot attempts last night. He blocked a lot of shots. He made plays. I thought he was really good in the game. And I think sometimes we forget when things are really bad for a team, we tend to say everybody sucks and he doesn't suck. No, he doesn't. And it's weird because I was just talking with Charlie O'Connor right before we jumped on here. And he was telling me that as far as like the RAPM model goes, there Provorov was a guy that was dragged down by his partners last year. And that's not to say that Provorov was like an, a Norris Trophy contender last season by any stretch, or even just what he should be. But he is a guy that objectively has been hurt by bad to mediocre partners. And that's no slight against Justin Braun, but he belongs nowhere near top pair in 2022. 
And I thought that last night you saw them get more favorable deployment. Like Sandheim and Braun got the line share, the D zone starts. D'Angelo and Provorov got a lot of offensive zone starts. You saw Provorov not play on the power play at all. Even on the second unit, it was mm-hmm. Igor Zamula. And I think just the fact that you had Provorov playing more of a five-on-five role, a, a PK role, and not have to be relied on to start every zone in the defensive zone and be carry a top pair and be the first guy over the boards on the power play, it just seemed that he kind of was able to blend into the game more. As opposed to the last two seasons, it felt like you Provorov was at the forefront of everything. Like, he was always on the ice for the power play. He was always on the ice for the PK. He, ha- he had to do everything with the puck in, in regards to getting it out of his own zone because that's just not the way Justin Braun plays. And I thought that he was just able to just settle in. And I think Provorov's the kind of guy that the less you notice him, the better he's doing. Like, he's not an overly flashy defenseman. But on the flip side of that... I got to say, I, I love what Tony D'Angelo can do with the puck. I find that he's very, he's, he's able to, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Not forecast the, the, the move that he's going to do. And not very, hand. Exactly. Especially on the power play, that, that goal for Konechny on the power play where he crossed it over to Hayes. Like he's just added a dynamic element to that blue line. And I think that now that you have two guys on that top pair who are, can move the puck, like you said, obviously will be some growing pains between the two of them. But even the play where Jack Hughes came right down the middle and he tried to split the D and both of them converged on him and just killed the play. Yeah. And it was it was just nice to see that there was no blatant mus- miscommunication. Provorov was playing more physically because it seemed like he could use his body. And even if he got taken out of the play, he could trust Tony D'Angelo to move the puck out as opposed to playing with Justin Braun. You couldn't do that. And I just thought that all in all, a very good top uh, game from the top pair. And to be honest, even from Sanheim and Braun, who, to their credit, ate a lot of the D-zone starts. And I thought that all in all, the defense as a whole had a good game. I, I do, too. Um, you know, one guy that will notice Pro Ross game when he rewatches the game film, either last night or this morning, John Tortorella, because he's going to see that not only did his D block 18 shots, but Ivan Provorov blocked 10 yeah, I mean, he was just, blocking shots. I think is a bit of an art form because you can go into block shots and lean with your stick or hit the side of your leg and it counts. But a lot of his blocks were getting square and chin pads facing the release, and it was at different depths that he was blocking shots. Shots from far away from him and shots where he closed on the guy to block the shot. And look, we know. It's almost a joke that we know how much Torch wants guys to block shots. And and Provorov was excellent in that regard. Now, despite all that, there were some good opportunities for the Devils. I mean, the expected goal model in the game yeah. actually favored the Devils slightly. You know, they end up with 37 shots. Hart makes 35 saves on 37. Uh, I talked to Carter after the game. First of all, he said it was hotter than shit in there. And it was last night. It was a little humid here yesterday. And I don't think the building turned the AC down because they're not used to, you know, having almost 20,000 people mm-hmm. in it, dare I say. Um, and he said he was actually cramping it. He never cramps here. But um, he didn't like the first goal because it went through him. But, I mean, in that third period in particular, he really battled his ass off after New Jersey got within two and made some huge saves. Like the Konechny turnover, 
just made some really he made a lot of tough saves look routine, which is kind of his hallmark, but he also made tough saves that didn't look routine. And I thought he was excellent in the game. And for a guy that didn't play a second in the preseason, he battled his ass off last night. Yeah, and there was the one, was it Jack Hughes again, where he came down the right wall and he cut to the middle and he went full splits. Look, Hart had a great game. And he was, I I think he was listed as the second star officially, but he was their best player. Now, does that mean that it was all him? No, but there was a point specifically in the third period where the Flyers were bending, and that's why they lost the possession battle, and that's why they lost the expected goals battle. But the fact of the matter is is that he held down the fort, and he didn't have to be spectacular. Like, look, there the first goal obviously wasn't great. The second one, not his fault, because that shot shouldn't be being taken from that close in at the bottom of the circle, but you could tell that he really didn't give himself enough time to get set. It kind of, like, hit him on the shoulder in between the numbers. I, Ray Ferraro did a really good job of breaking mm-hmm. it down on the broadcast. But all in all, that's what you want from that guy. And yes, he, you gave up more shots than you were probably hoping to. But, you know, it's the first game with Provorov and D'Angelo playing together, aside from the one preseason game. It's Hart's first game. Sanheim and Braun, the first time they're playing together, probably in, what, 12 months because Ristolainen is a scratch a day before the game. So, I mean, all in all, I don't think that Carter had to be over-the-top good, but he was arguably their best player. And if the Flyers are going to win games, he that probably has to be the case more times than not. He doesn't have to steal the games, but he can't really have any big-time blunders during games. Yeah. And look, the Flyers are a young team. And I I believe Torts uh, said it after the game. I saw a quote from Charlie that they have to figure out what they have with a lot of these guys, which has been a consistent narrative throughout this summer into this offseason as the season's getting underway. So you're going to see guys be played in positions that we're not really used to seeing them. And sometimes it's going to blow up in your face, like Morgan Frost out there to defend a lead. I don't think that's his forte, but you have to figure out if that's a guy that you can trust to do that. Mm-hmm. I thought the way Wade Allison won the board battle at the end of the um, oh, at the end of the game, that guy, man, he he's an NHLer all day long, and he probably should have been the NHL last year and not been for injuries. But I mean, it, it was it's weird to say being this positive after one game where you did lose the possession and the expected goals battle, but I think just in the context of who was playing last night. It was just an overall very encouraging performance. And like I said, like it's no slight against guys like Giroux and Voracek and to a much lesser extent Couturier, but it was still nice to see a team play without those guys on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it feels like we're finally moving forward, even though maybe the results this year won't be this pronounced step forward from a standings perspective. It feels like, you know, like you just said, you know, towards having those guys like Lazinski, Frost and, you know, those young guys out on the ice at the end of a game to, to kind of lock down the win. And like, and towards when he was asked about it by Charlie, he said that he said, I got to put these guys in situations. I got to find out how they react in these situations. And the only way to do that is to, to put them in those situations. He said, I didn't want to do the wrong thing. But I felt like I was doing the right thing, and it ended up working out. Um, one thing that I really noticed that Wade Allison likes to do, um, it's the it's the moving Forsberg is what I'll call it. Uh-huh. Uh, he goes in when to hit a guy, and he'll turn his backside and throw that hockey ass and back into him. and Because you get a little bit more weight in your hit when you kind of do that. He, he's a 
sometimes a backwards four checker, which is maybe a weird thing to understand what I'm talking about. Oh, no. see a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just like every time he's on the ice, like he's one of those players and opposite to Provorov. I think Allison's a guy that you have to notice to really gauge if he's having a good game or not. And look, he was one of their only shining points in the 2021 COVID shortened season. And last season, he never really, he got into what, two or three games, if, if any, Mm -hmm. Um, and because of injuries. And he's a guy that I think really has a spot on this team moving forward, almost guaranteed because of the type of role he plays. Because the Flyers haven't had that type of power forward being able to play elevated in your lineup. And I do think that eventually Allison's a guy that will get consistent PP one time and top six time. But they haven't really had that since like Wayne Simmons in 2016, right? Because the later years of Wayne, like five on five, he really wasn't an effective player anymore. And those are the types of players you have to have. Like I interviewed Bill Armstrong for a piece that's coming out today. And, you know, he's talking about like building the ground up, the culture in Arizona, and they want to be a team that's physical and hard to play against too. And that just becomes a, a, a growing the- It has become rather a growing theme in the NHL that you want players that not to say you want goons out there, but you want guys that forecheck hard can really go to the dirty areas, but also be effective. And Wade Allison is kind of like a unicorn in that respect for the flyers. Now, obviously they've drafted other guys like a Zade wisdom who maybe checked that box as well, but even wisdom, I don't think he has the offensive ceiling as a guy like Wade Allison. So I really think that, you know, within reason here, Wade Allison has a pretty high ceiling with the Flyers organization. Yeah. Uh, I mean, based on the usage of Hodgson in the game, and oh <laughs> the Atkinson availability, and obviously coupled with the Tippett injury, and we might be close to seeing Tyson Forster here very early. Look, I, I don't really get this Hodgson thing. Like, it's no, clear that sports does either. And like, look, obviously people in management like this kid and he basically is taking a spot from Zach McEwen, which isn't the biggest thing in the world. Like, because look, yeah. we understand that McEwen is a fringe NHLer at this point. But yes, eventually when push comes to shove, I don't see how Hayden Hodgson is going to last because I don't know what Atkinson's availability is going forward. But as soon as he comes back, you know, Hodgson's out of the lineup. And then, like you said, Tyson Forster, what's going to happen with him? How is he going to play in Lehigh? And then the other wild card in all this, because he's injured, but what no one's talking about is Bobby Brink. If Bobby Brink gets healthy, you know, Hayden Hodgson's going to be out of a job pretty soon. I, I look, I don't really care that much about the Hayden Hodgson thing because in the immediate future, he is just taking a job away from like a Zach McEwen. But at the same time, it's kind of like dumbfounding here that like you're because even McEwen, we know that he doesn't really have a big NHL ceiling at all, but at least he's someone that kind of filled the niche last year as well, liked in the room. Like the, the Hodgson thing to me is just kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, I mean, when Tippett goes down last night, doesn't play the final two periods, and Hodgson gets that usage still as a winger, it tells you all you need to know. You know, yeah. that Torts does – I mean, he said he thought his camp was just okay. I mean, I would imagine there's a that he won't be in the lineup tomorrow and that they they go in a different direction because, I mean, when you lose a winger in the game and Hodgson still only sees four and a half minutes of ice time, 
in the game. I mean, 26 seconds more of ice time than Owen Tippett did who didn't play the final two periods. So, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to dress a guy to do that, what's the point? So you got to get somebody that you can put in there in different situations. And if you get a guy like Forster in there, I'm kind of stumping for him here. I mean, at least he's a guy that brings an, a legit NHL shot ability to score. You don't want to play him on the fourth line, but – I mean, maybe they're getting close to that, or maybe we see McEwen. I don't know, but I, I towards I, by usage, I can always tell how a coach feels about a player by how he uses them. Yeah, and look, I I think for sure the uphill battle for him, at least this season, is like you're gonna have Konechny, you're gonna have Atkinson, Allison. I think is more versatile, where he's a guy that you could play him on that fourth line, like we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Like you could play Lazinski and Allison together with Delorier. And they're still going to be effective because of the nature those two guys play. But Forster, he would have to be playing minimum third line if he's coming to the NHL. Move right up to where Tippett's spot is. Yeah, for sure. I guess it depends on how long Owen Tippett is out, right? And yeah. it's too bad because I maybe I'm putting too much stock into him because of just the nature of how he was acquired, being the main piece with Giroux. But he's a guy I'm really interested to watch. I was happy to see him get some PP one time. But obviously now that will be put on the back burner. But, yeah, Tyson Forster, I mean, the clock is ticking, right, as to when this guy's probably yeah, going to be in go. the NHL. Yeah, yeah, like, well, what's the difference now? Like, I, I right. don't know if the Phantoms have played a regular season game yet. Not yet. No. But uh, so I guess I'm sure they'll want to see what he can do down there. I was told over the summer that they do think that or are expecting him to uh, spend the majority of the season down there. But who knows? Once a guy goes down, right, because – after the guys the Flyers have already have on their roster, and I guess Bobby Brink once he's healthy, who else really has a big NHL ceiling? Like, yeah. like Ben Wye, I guess, but him, I suppose it's more of a bottom six role. Ditto for Wisdom. Like, all the guys who are kind of worth the shit, aside from the ones still in, you know, the OHL, CHL, NCAA, all that, are with the Flyers here, mm-hmm. forwards-wise at least. So, I mean... As for Hodgson, not to bury the guy too much here, and I know that, like, not to say that McEwen's, like, an, an elite player or anything, but I just think that if it's between the two, I don't get why McEwen can't be here. I, I would just rather see Zach, you know? Yeah. Saw Bobby last night in the press box hanging out, too. So How's he doing? He looked good. He looked, he looked uh, fit. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Ellis made an appearance, too. Yeah, I was really disappointed in how Flyer fans handled that when they introduced him and booed the living shit out of him. Mm. I mean, that that was really disappointing to me, but I'm not going to go on that diatribe here. Uh, got to see Mike Yo last night. He was in the barn last night, pre-scouting for Vancouver, who he's with now, and coaching with Bruce, with uh, Gabby. Uh, good to see. You know what? Mike, I think, didn't get a fair shake here. I think given mm. the cards he was dealt, he did a pretty good job. He was a lame duck coach, I thought, for a while. I mean, they, they they said that they gave him a real shot, but I think by March it was clear that yeah, he, he didn't have a hope in hell. Yeah, and yeah. and then I, that was I maybe. Go, I go fuck Josie, you can't stay away, man. It's the first <laughs> game you're back already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wonder if he was already able to move out to Vancouver this fast, but uh, maybe he yeah, still has a house out hired, here. I think he got hired officially in July, so like early July. I remember message texting with him. Um, but he's he's a good man. He's a good hockey Very good guy. guy. Yeah. I, I think he did some some good work with players like Morgan Frost that will benefit Morgan down the line starting that process. And great stuff, man. Appreciate it as always. Uh, 
drive safe the, the old lady's car and uh, <laughs> get the SUV back for you. I'll be sure to tell her that you called her an old lady. <laughs> no, I call mine that all the time. Uh, there he is, Anthony DeMarco from the fourth period.com. Thanks, Ant. Thanks, man. Take it easy. There he is. Great stuff, as always. And a little breakdown of the game yesterday, some thoughts, evaluations, and much more on a, a game one victory for the Flyers 5 2 over the New Jersey Devils. Good way to start the season, uh, to be sure. We'll see if they can follow it up tomorrow. Look, I'm not expecting because, hey, you won one game. Oh, it's a playoff team. Oh, they're going this. They're going to do that. No, no, let's not get crazy. Let's kind of take things as they come. There's going to be ebbs and flows and highs and lows and everything in between. So uh, it was a good start. It was an entertaining night. And I think Ant said it great. And I love that he said it because I really didn't think of, like, the verbiage for it. It felt with no Giroux, no Voracek, even no Katuria, it just felt like a step forward. Not from a result standpoint. The result was good, but just from watching it and it looking and feeling different, it didn't kind of feel the same old, same old. And like I said, you guys know how I feel about Giroux. You know that I'm a huge admirer of his game. And it's not about that. It's not about shitting on anybody that's, that's not here. But it did feel fresh, dare I say. Um, so, hey, looking forward to it. Hey, by the way, coming up on Mondays, Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Our guest is going to be the one and only from uh, Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli will join us coming up on Monday. So I'm looking forward to talking to Frank. We'll have three eps for you again next week. We'll have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Flyers will be in action Saturday. Then they got their first road trip. Uh, they're going to do... Tuesday and Wednesday, the Florida two-step Tampa and the Florida Panthers. And then a couple days off, and they'll go to Nashville, three-game roadie. Then they'll come back home, take on San Jose, Florida, and Carolina. I think in that order, uh, to round out the month of October. So a lot in front of us. It's going to be a fun hockey season. We hope you'll spend a lot of time with us here. Um, we're going to have great guests all season long here on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. And uh, also, I got some other things in the works. I got some other ideas, too, that I was thinking about doing. I had a guy actually hit me on this, too. And I was thinking about, you know, one day a week or, you know, every once in a while, having some Flyer fans come on, stick to Hockey Live as 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 a guest. And, you know, I think the fan base doesn't get their voice out there enough. You can get it out there in social media and. 140 characters and all that bullshit. But I think it'd be cool to talk hockey with some of the great fans. So I, I kind of wrote down a bunch of different Twitter handles of fans that I see, you know, tweeting about the team a lot, knowledgeable people. And I think we're going to get some on throughout the season. I think that would be fun. So uh, let me know what you think about that as well. So we'll see where that goes. Um, let me tell you about Bet Parks. Great, great casino and sportsbook app. Not great. It's the best. Screw great. It's the best. Uh, take it from me. It's going to be everything you've wanted in a mobile casino and sports book right in the palm of your hand. Easy to use, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. Easy deposits, fast payouts, you name it. It is the Bet Parks app. And for new and existing users, you can get a risk-free bet up to $750 by using the promo code JASON750, J-A-S-O-N 750. That'll get you that risk-free bet up to 750 bucks. Terms and conditions do apply. Also, I'm going to have our weekly hockey boost had our first one yesterday. It was for, actually it hit too. It went from plus two ten to plus two fifty. 
It was for the Flyers to score at least four goals and win the game. Did the boost hit? Boom. It did. They scored five goals. They won the game. The weekly boost hit. So make sure you check that out weekly as well. We'll be uh, giving you details on that. Uh, you do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. And uh, Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So download the Bet Parks app. Now, also, our great friends at Conquerville Subaru. Beautiful weather this weekend. What a time to go down to Conquerville Subaru. Check out the beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. There you will see a great stock of certified pre-owned inventory. You can also pick from a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. It's right on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Beautiful, we'll still call it new dealership. Multi-leveled, it's like a Subaruplex. Awesome place, still doing great work in the community with Nemours Children's Hospital uh, of Delaware, Marcus Hook Elementary School, La Comunidad Hispania in Kennett Square with the coat donations. Uh, the Look, they were the first Subaru Nation Love Promise Dealer Award winner back in 2015. That's for a reason. They care. They actually care about their customers. They've got a great service department with a free car wash with every visit. Go down, get down this weekend. Jump in the car. Go down there and check out Conquerville Subaru. It's on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Also online at ConquervilleSubaru.com. And check out the showroom again on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Conquerville cares. Everybody, have yourself a great weekend. Coming off a win on a Friday. It feels good to start the season. Vancouver tomorrow. Enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you Monday with Frank Saravalli on a brand new episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great weekend, everybody.